0: of Learning podcast produced by A Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburro and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland.
1: everyone. Welcome to the House of Learning podcast. It's Richard and Ryan here. Hello. Doing a little, um, well, I say summertime intro. It's kind of dull outside. Early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the premonition of summer is with us. <sighs> and, uh, yeah, we're doing a little extra intro because we are actually taking June to release some really, well, we wanted to talk about some really important topics, but we've had some great conversations in the past. And uh ryan was on vacation uh has a lot going on i'm about to have a bunch of time off because i need to remodel my bathrooms (laughs) pray for the tambora household that it's not underwater uh there's a lot going on so with like okay let's re-release some of these scenes because there's a kind of trajectory in these right and so so what what do we pick and why did it float to the surface that's our little now we can't spend an entire podcast answering that question,
2: which I know you are going to be prone to do. Yes. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, so we're re-releasing some uh, older conversations on uh, one on baptism. We've got uh, two on communion more broadly, and then we've got a nice nerdy uh, conversation uh, on the communion elements where you get to hear a, a Bible nerd, a theology nerd, and a philosopher. Oh, I don't get to be a nerd. What's well, up with that? sorry, a philosophy nerd. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> philosophers, I guess. Yeah, because otherwise it would be like a theologian, a philosopher, and a bibliologist. Like, what's the noun for a biblical studies? I guess I just think of philosophers as just definitely nerds. Yeah. Okay. So I'm down with that. Yeah. But a philosophy nerd. Yeah. Get to have a disagreement about the nature of the elements and and things like that. And it was it was a fun. That was, a Maybe in the future that was actually a fun too. one for a lot of reasons. You'll, you'll, uh, one, it started from a Facebook post, I think. It's, oh, that's right. It was I at remember. the beginning of COVID. And, uh, Amber and I, my wife, uh, we were recording at home because of COVID. And, uh, we, our, um, landscapers came by that day and started, uh, doing some landscaping oh, yeah, right I outside remember. our window. Because I could see you guys on Zoom and yep. you were like being chased around video. the house by the noise. So, like whichever room you we went to. moved in? from the couch, I think, <laughs> to the bathroom and then they went to the backyard where the bathroom's window is at. And so then we had to move back into the living room. Yes. So, that was a fun one. There's-
1: and uh, the first ones in this little mini series are from a while ago when Daniel Golder was around, mm. who I've seen recently, if you're wondering. He's doing well in Sherwood, doing awesome. Um, and yeah, so it sort of uh turned back the clock a little bit as well, yeah. but yeah, these are important topics, like we do comedian every single week, mm-hmm. and yeah, we realized like we haven't talked about on the on the podcast for, i mean, what did you say a couple of years, yeah, yeah, wow, right uh, yeah, I think the first three yeah. were two thousand nineteen, yeah, so a long time ago, okay. and so yeah w- this is it is like uh these are topics. I think there's such a richness in baptism and communion, amongst other things. Yeah. But I think of all the areas of church life where I'm often talking to Christians and feeling like, oh man, like I feel like I've had the opportunity to explore this richness. But we don't often talk about it in a way that other people encounter the richness. So it can be like, oh, it's a thing we do. Yeah, I guess it's grown normal, but I'm not really sure why. So hopefully over this month... Yeah, you'll end up in July being like, oh, man, communion's (laughs) the best. Like, I'm loving it. And just, yeah, it'll really enrich things for you. And next time there's baptisms, whether you're getting baptized or watching a baptism, that again, there'll be like an enrichment of
2: an appreciation. And another good reason why to re-release the baptisms is because we can do baptisms again. That's right. It's so exciting. I love baptisms. I know. I love it. It brings tears to
1: my eyes every time. It does. Okay, so over to the podcast. Enjoy. hi everyone welcome to the house of learning podcast uh, we have got uh, richard here again uh with another couple of people uh from the team amber and ryan so say hi guys hey guys hello and uh molly is not with us uh you know she got a puppy um you know life has just got too much for her or something no not really we kicked her off we thought doing it doing online three of us was enough and we uh we chose the topic this week because ryan i think happened to post something on facebook innocuously and then it blew (laughs) up like a big discussion and i was like we should do that on the podcast it's a really interesting question so we're going to talk about that uh today but before we do uh just to let you guys uh know in case you've missed it, we are doing a First Samuel read-through. So we're getting our college house of learning team together and just discussing and unpacking First Samuel. Um, I got to say last week, we only managed to do one chapter. <laughs> so I don't know how long it's going to take us, uh, but it was a good time. And uh, Ryan and Amber, you guys were there as well. Did mm-hmm, you enjoy yeah. it? Yeah, it was yeah, great. It was a blast. It's,
3: it's nice yeah. to be able to interact with people too. People who comment yeah. and ask questions. It's, it's really fun.
1: Yeah, and that's it. That's the it. The live part of it is really cool. And so Wednesdays, 6.30 in the evening, about an hour, uh, read along with us, comments, questions, uh, all sorts. Um, and it's on the AJC College Facebook page, or you can search for Westside House of Learning on find our YouTube channel. And yeah, but the question for today, uh, <laughs> Ryan, since you instigated this, I feel like you you should kick us off really. Uh, what, yeah. What what was it you maybe should we go with like what did you post? Can you even remember what the quote was that you actually posted?
2: Uh, yeah. So we have it pulled up here. Um, so essentially, um,
3: it's quite a feisty quote, and it's uh, not our quote.
2: Yeah. I'll I'll yeah. leave the the church who posted originally. I'll leave that name uh, out of it. Um, but there was yes. a church that uh, essentially posted. You know, uh, getting ready for their. Um Good Friday services and um, Easter services and and uh, taking communion. and uh, essentially, you know said, join for the gathering and everything and prepare the elements for taking communion with us. And they said, don't worry about the specifics. Uh, this time is all about remembering the sacrifice of our Savior Jesus. Um, and so you know gather whatever ele- gather whatever elements you have. And uh, within their post on Twitter, they shared some pictures of some kind of ideas. And those pictures contained like toast and uh, orange juice. Uh, one of them contained Cheetos and uh, Honest Kids, like juice pouches, um, and and all sorts of things of that nature. Uh, and so then uh, uh, a professor um, of theology, um, his name's uh, Dr. Anthony Bradley. Uh, he he posted it publicly. I don't I don't mind sharing. Uh, his name there uh, with who posted it he knew oh yeah he throw starting. him
1: under the bus <laughs> yeah, that's fine he,
2: he knew what he was starting so um, just like share to...
1: his, share his phone number email yeah, you yeah. know let's just
2: <laughs> his personal address is so if you don't like it you can go knock <laughs> on his door um, he, he posted on Twitter re- retweeting that the, that photo and that post from the church and said uh, and I quote both of my seminary degrees nearly caught on fire when I pointed this tweet toward them I have no words for the nonsense here Low church evangelicalism is a dumpster fire. This is a non-denom for you. Make it up as you go and don't submit to a confession of faith. Um, So yeah, so uh, we shared that on Facebook and uh, thought we would just see what kind of responses came about. And I I would partially like to say hilarity ensued, but also um, more things ensued than just humor
1: yeah the classic (laughs) online discussion yes whether the the nuances of this theology can't be worked out in a comment the length of a tweet surprise surprise (laughs) yeah which is why the podcast is cool uh Mm. for us yeah and so and and just uh, this is an interesting one for the three of us to talk about because um i mean one interesting thing i feel like i'd be right in saying like amber you're a bit more like biblical studies is your heartbeat mm-hmm. ryan you're like theology systematic theology yeah and i'm really i'm the, like the philosopher so we've got kind of slightly different perspectives already and then this was one where on facebook like ryan and i were chatting back and forwards it was clear we had slightly different perspectives mm-hmm. and so that's always a good like oh that's a great place to have a conversation when you realize you you actually think differently to someone yeah. so this is a good opportunity for us to model um you know like uh how to like learn from each other figure out why you dis, you know like have a productive interaction um which yeah. is why we're not doing it on the facebook comments but
2: <laughs> yeah we we went so far in the facebook comments and decided yeah we'd move move over
1: enough's enough yeah yeah and so like my so uh i think amber you you weighed in a little bit later but ryan you were a bit more sympathetic to like yeah like we shouldn't be taking communion with toast and oj yeah where whereas i weighed in and i i can't remember what i said but i was basically like ah no, I, i'm i'm okay with it more than you are you know mm-hmm. like I, I i i'm not so bad on this um, and then Amber, you were a bit more on like, no, I kind of want to defend like the bread and wine
3: Yeah, uh, a bit more for than me. me. So that's, so
1: that's a different perspectives we had.
3: Yeah. And it was interesting for me too, because I, well, one, I didn't think I wasn't offended or put off by the strong words that Dr. Bradley used when he was describing it. Um, and that's coming from someone who grew up completely non-denominational. Um, I, I come from the background, the, you know, low church that he's talking about. So I, yeah. I even coming from the background, I didn't I didn't sense any sort of like, I wasn't really offended by it. because I, I kind of understood his, the point he was trying to make. But some people were really put off by the way that he communicated. So I didn't speak much to the bread and the wine until um, till later. But my big concern was more pastoral, like, Oh, my gosh, people are thinking that he's completely trashing this whole body of this whole part of the body of Christ mm-hmm. and that's not what's going on here. That's not what we're trying to do. Um, even though the strong words are used, it's, uh, it's more for like, um, a shock effect of, of bringing this to the table and saying, this is something we should be thinking about. Um, and not just write off as, as, ah, oh, it's whatever. It doesn't really matter. No one really has an opinion. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, I didn't expect, um, some of the, uh, sharpness that we, w- that we saw, um, coming from this coming from this post
1: yeah yeah that it was it's a classic example of like online etiquette gone wrong like i want to communicate that i disagree with you so i'm going to take the label that you have that loads of other people also share and then assume that everyone with that label is represented by your view and then rather than explain my disagreement i'm going to mock you Mm. because you disagree with me or hold a different view yeah so yeah that's a great way to make someone feel bad but not a great way to help someone move forward yes (laughs) yep yeah and so but let's let's get into the meat of it because i was i think early on i was like uh you said these examples of uh you know toast and oj i had actually interestingly with a bunch of philosopher friends we we uh had a, a chat about this because we were writing a paper about the Eucharist and we were talking about, yeah, could you do communion with uh, Coke and Pringles? <laughs> and the interesting thing in terms of like background is that group had like a uh, reformed theologian, an Anglo-Catholic, uh, like very Thomistic high church Catholic, a very high church Anglican, like a, a real mixture of people. But we all actually came to the consensus, like, oh yeah, I think it'd be okay. Hmm. But I kind of, I, I'm aware of hearing like the theologians in the wings being like, yeah, of course, a bunch of philosophers would come up with something weird, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh,
2: yeah, it's I'm an, well, an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at the theologian in me, my first response is, sure, there's like philosophical conceptual room for such a humorous idea. Um, but it's it's when the, the feet are on the ground of actually taking the, the Eucharist that I'm like, hmm. But but can we? And yeah. so 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 th- that's the the theology, the theologian kind of philosopher, yeah, play of yeah, where the conceptual room is open to some degree,
3: so but conceptual
2: narrowing. room versus what I would think is like tra- like actual tradition or kind of biblical theological space or, or mandates. Yeah. Where does that actually guide us? Yeah. So, so we
1: should, uh, oh my goodness. So it's like, because one way to have this conversation is methodologically.
2: Yeah. The
1: other is just to be like, I think this, what do you think? Uh-huh. And, uh, you'll end up getting to the methodology later. But um, mm. yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, issues in this conversation. And uh, this is, a, I mean, it's a funny one, because this is a total like theology nerd conversation. Like yeah. most people do not care about this. at all right (laughs) but at this time yeah we're all at home taking communion like what i mean we ended up talking about baptism as well um Mm -hmm. yeah I i think there's other things up for grabs as well but yeah like if we're on lockdown for um you know a few more months i mean hopefully not but if we were like this Easter, you know, and our online gatherings, we had like a bunch of people respond to the gospel for the first time. What happens if they get in touch with us and like, I know we're not gathering, but like, I really feel like God wants me to get baptized. Hmm. Do are we like, well, dude, like fill up your bath and. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, these yeah. the practical questions are so right in yeah. front of us that it's actually it, this theology nerd conversation becomes interesting um, for us. And yeah. so, yeah,
3: yeah I think I, it's interesting. It's an interesting one. Yeah, it's hard because, um, because that was something that was brought up on Facebook too, was like, if... Uh, if, what if we can't go, uh, out and buy, you know, um, you know, something akin to unleavened bread and, uh, juice, how are we, how are we supposed to do communion then? So he's just saying, we don't take it at all. And, um, and then does the Lord look down upon me if I, if I pick anything in my house? Um, so I think that's, that's kind of the practical, piece that was picked up, um, from us that we noticed that it was like, yes, the theological mattered, but I think even more so it was, what do I do then? So I can't get these things. So let's say we agree. Let's say, yeah, unleavened bread and juice matters. Um, what if that, what if I can't get that? Um, do I just not take it? And I think Ryan had a really good point to say, to say about that.
2: Uh, yeah. So, so this is where, you know, as you said, this is kind of where the, the rubber meets the road on things that's I think oftentimes in like our just week-to-week kind of normal, taken-for-granted kind of way of doing church, we think these things don't matter. And then pandemic hits, and it's like, whoa, loads of new questions are being asked. Um, and so f- for me, uh, the reason why, like, the way I think about these things is... Um, the, the sacraments matter and are are important and we should uh, we should look forward to participating in them and and uh, look forward to being baptized or celebrating with others being baptized and we should absolutely look forward to I, I think a weekly taking of the bread and the cup. Um, but if we can agree that the elements matter and you know something happens and we can't uh, use those elements, we don't have access to those elements, then then we have to start thinking about, what is the actual uh, theological weight or import of of kind of baptism or communion to the point of, is this something that we should hold off on um, and just look forward to taking again someday when when we can again in the right way? Or is this something that we just kind of do, however, because they're, they're so important that we just need to participate in them weekly, no matter what it is, whether it be, yeah, you know, Pringles and Coke, or whether it be, um, in the bathtub for baptism or things like that. Like we, we just have to figure out how to do them because they're that important.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because there's all these in-betweens, like I've got a friend who, uh, is a part of the Orthodox tradition and in their church, like the priest and I guess one of the deacons or something, uh, you know, they were in the church you know, just them. <laughs> and they kind of went through the liturgy and consecrated the bread and the wine and everything. But then part of the way that they do the Eucharist is they pronounce a Eucharistic blessing. Mm-hmm. So even though they couldn't distribute the elements, they could, they then walked around the streets, pronouncing the Eucharistic blessing and people who belonged to that church were like in their driveways and, you know, so it's, wow. it's interesting because as we have to get creative, it it makes us ask interesting questions about what really theologically matters mm-hmm. about communion, which is, I mean, we've done, we've had a conversation on this podcast before about this, but um, typically, you know, to stereotype a little bit, but typically the lower church who don't, you know, aren't so set in, um, well, they don't hold their traditions quite as closely. Um, if you ask someone in a congregation, you know, what difference does taking communion actually make? They they really struggle. Well, it's really nice. I like that we do it. You know, it's yeah. bit, yeah. it's hard to get like a definitive answer, whereas someone with a more high view of it are like, oh, well, I can absolutely tell you like this and this, you know, here's the benefits I get out of this. It's why we do it. Um and so it's, it's interesting to be asked those questions in a new way. Yeah. Because for me, now, now to get like to meat on the bones, for me, um, the way I think about the elements, and this is interesting because in class today with our AJC College students, we were actually reading a bit of Thomas Aquinas uh, mm. on the Eucharist. And he argues that um, because humans have a really, they have a need to interact with things in tangible ways, using our senses that God actually almost condescendingly in order to interact with us has to find ways to help to make the spiritual realities tangible to us. And so he talks about how fitting it is that God would give us this tangible uh, meal to act out on a regular basis. Um, Actually, one of the cool things I hadn't spotted this point. It's been ages since I've read uh, Aquinas on this. I don't know if you guys read any of the any of Aquinas on the Eucharist. I haven't. It's, we were reading uh, what he says in Summer Contra Gentiles*, but he also talks about how it's fitting because in the Garden Eve, yeah, it was her senses of tasting and seeing that were part mm-hmm. of her initial interaction with the choice God had set forth. And the relationship God has set forth in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm. and he, you know, Thomas doesn't explicitly say this, but there's a sense in which he's portraying uh, communion as the kind of anti-apple of the of the garden. Yeah. That's yeah. You know, like like taking one taking one element, the fruit of that tree caused death. The taking of this other element causes life. Yeah, that's what mm. Thomas is saying. They're really interesting. Yeah. But anyway, that's an aside. I just, everyone should read a bit of Aquinas. Yeah, no. I but, was reading it this morning and it's really good.
2: <laughs> well, well, but, and, and it is really good. And it, I think it, it, get, it taps us into something that just the earlier church, um, particularly like Aquinas and, and uh, before, kind of had the way they understood just kind of the uh, world that they were absorbed in which was that it, it wasn't strange to think that tangible elements actually could participate in greater spiritual realities that that God would in some sort of way, condescendingly um, use natural earthly elements to bring us into some sort of spiritual and, and kind of presence, uh, you know, part, participatory presence with Christ yeah. um, and, and his heavenly realities. And so, um, and that's where that's where I'm coming from, is kind of with that that understanding of, and that's where like the high church is coming from in their their understandings of uh, of the elements and why the elements are so important, um, and uh, what is actually taking place in communion, uh, or or even baptism, um, is that there's a real spiritual reality going on, and so that for me is one of the reasons why I think the elements are so important, is. I, I find myself at a, a strange kind of crossroads where um, I think that God can uh, and and in some ways does participate with us or, or offer some sort of um, participatory kind of uh, way with him th- through, through all of nature. Like that there's a way to participate in, in, Um, his heavenly realities through all of nature. And yet I think there's something to the degree that he has um, constituted certain elements to participate in certain ways um, and and certain spiritual realities. And I think that's what the the sacraments um, that the Bible particularly institutes, such as baptism and the Eucharist or uh, communion is doing, is that there are particular elements that God has used and continues to use. Uh, to invite us into our participation with him,
1: yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You say that that way because that reminds me of uh, previous conversations. so i I would consider myself to have a high view of of the elements as well or of or of the meal of the event of the Eucharist or communion. Um, just to flag up for people, we typically, in our tradition say communion. Whereas lots of the church says the you know, Eucharist, yeah. which is a, you know, we've got some different Latin and Greek roots going on there. It's but also- it's, we're pointing at the same meal that Jesus instituted at the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, the thing that matters is that what God actually wants to achieve is, uh, I mean, God's with us all the time. And sometimes we can be more aware of his withness. Like we can pray or meditate or read scripture or worship or you know serve or there's lots of ways that we can tune in to partnering with God. Yeah, but it, in the Eucharist, what God wants to do is not just be present with us, but present Himself to us mm-hmm. in like a fir- in a first-personal kind of way, where He is manifesting His personal presence towards us in a way that we can tangibly accept make a part of ourselves, interact with, give thanksgiving for. And the elements facilitate a, a sort of supernatural relational interaction. And, it, and it's special because of the nature of the interaction. Like there's some, yeah. there's some things we're making tangible to ourselves in the Eucharist, which we can talk to God about in prayer, but we're not making tangible to ourselves in the same way. And then it's also elevated by the fact that God said, I'm instituting this, and this, you know, this matters to me. Mm -hmm. Having this interaction with you matters. That's the way I would say it. But then, of course, if that's what matters to me, if I didn't have any bread and wine and I just had toast and OJ, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, the question becomes, you know, if I, and this is a big if. If given my cultural upbringing and my theology and the way I viewed communion, I was able to get my head in a space where I could be like, oh, God can totally present himself to me through this piece of toast and this OJ. Then I think I could have as full of an experience of this kind of Eucharistic union with Christ, with the toast and OJ. Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to say this in a way that's going to like push all your buttons (laughs) (laughs) right so and so then i'd I'd be like fine now a caveat is that um which we we did talk about on facebook uh, is that um if though i opened my cupboard and i had oj and wine or maybe grape juice although that's another is grape juice and wine the same yeah but just you know if i had oj and wine Given that it's really good for us to connect our understanding with God, with rooting it in the scriptures, where I can use biblical symbols and biblical language and concepts, it's going to help me tune my life into the life of scripture. And that's always a difficult one, because I don't want to live as a first century person in a 21st century world. So I'm going to be limited by how useful it is for me to always do that. But that's going to be a factor for me which would yeah. probably mean if I opened the cupboard and there was wine and OJ, I would choose the wine. But given what I want to get out of the uh, the taking of the Eucharist, like this event actually happening, for me, I'm like, oh, yeah, like Cheetos, toast, you know, a bit of leftover steak. Like as long as there's something to eat and something mm-hmm. to drink, it doesn't really matter, you know. So there's that's my like... That's what caused me to look mm-hmm. at this on Facebook and be like, ah, I'm, I'm all right with a bit of OJ. You know, I don't yeah. mind. And then, you know, I think there are, there's loads of other interesting aspects to this, like that might make us still consider that waiting or doing it together might be a thing. Like there's a there's supposed to be a communal aspect yeah. to this where, um that's an, an interesting dimension to it as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a complicated issue, but at a basic level, if God can present himself to me, then it can be sacramental. And that's, and that's why I said it was interesting what you said, because if that's your view of the Eucharist, then can God present himself to you through lots of other tangible interactions, like getting dressed in the morning or looking mm-hmm. at a tree? Or mowing the lawn, or eating any other meal, and the answer has got to be yes. And then there's a sense in which, well, if that's your view of the Eucharist, then everything could potentially be sacramental. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. I think, like logically, yeah, on my view, you have to be open to saying there may be some differences amongst these things, but the special kind of sacramental God unifying Himself with you in in this kind of mystical supernatural way that makes a difference then yeah everything's on the table
3: yeah and i think that's that's where because i i because i struggle more so than ryan does with whether or not it can be considered the eucharist or the lord's supper or communion without the tangible um fruit of the vine juice uh, and um, bread um and and i i have yet to be so so sure about whether or not I feel like it can be. But, but then that's what brings me to if everything is sacramental, then on the same level of communion and baptism, then to me, it feels like almost nothing is. So what is it yeah. that makes, is it just, I mean, if we're going to say, oh, it's just because Jesus said so, then that's fine. But there's a lot of things Jesus said. So then how do we delineate? Those sorts of things, and for me, being more into like biblical studies, New Testament stuff, I'm drawn to want to, which I've not done this, but this has prompted me to to want to dig into this further. But there's clearly a biblical theology of unleavened bread and a biblical theology of the cup um, that is that is present. So it's not that Jesus is, uh, I mean, and it's and the biblical theology of Passover in general, which is when this is taking place. So. I, I'm I, I, as just as my nature, go all the way back to the text and say, okay, wait. So that's, yes, tradition is done this one way, high church, low church, you know, whatever. But then, but what is the text trying to say? Because it's all rooted in, in what we see in scripture. And I just can't get around the fact that Jesus, it's Passover. Um, Jesus is specifically choosing something that uh, is, is obviously related to Passover. Jesus didn't pick anything. Um, he, he chose what was there, what was being used as symbolic for Passover and what Passover meant, and then what he was about to, to accomplish himself. And then doing a biblical theology of that from Exodus and Passover all the way to where Jesus is at, um, at the Last Supper, and seeing why it's important that Jesus chose those elements specifically. Um, for me, it's a lot harder for me to go from Jesus chose these elements specifically because they meant something to him. And they meant something to Moses and the Israelites um, back in Exodus to, oh, but it doesn't really mean anything to me now because I'm not Jewish. I um, don't live in New Testament times. I'm in quarantine and can't go pick it up at the store, you know, et cetera. I have a harder time getting from this meant something to Jesus. This meant something to the biblical story To It doesn't really matter as because the spirit's with me now. Um, And yeah, so I think that's where I kind of get, hung up and it's like I I hit a block and I I can't go any further because it's like I feel like this this has to mean something Um, more than just more than just oh I'm you know chewing on something and something liquid is going down my throat but like but what why why these things and then Ryan made a good point um, uh, when we were talking on Facebook and then afterwards just about The whole point, the whole purpose of waiting. I mean, we see in the in the New Testament, Jesus says, um, I'm particularly reading out of Matthew 26 right now in verse 29. "Um, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And he's referring there to the uh, marriage supper of the lamb. And, and what we all Christians look forward to, especially in difficult times, we look forward to the day when these difficulties are over and when Jesus comes back and renews all things. But if Jesus is saying that he, he'll, he's waiting, um, then I, and again, more, I want to be able to do more study on this. quarantine might just be the perfect opportunity. Um, but if Jesus (laughs) is waiting, there's maybe there is something too, in this time of saying, you know, maybe, maybe I do wait, maybe I refrain and I just, I, I wait until I, I can take it with my brothers and sisters. I wait until I can take it with the community to look back and remember what Jesus has done, but also looking forward. Um, I don't know if that can be as done as effectively, um, by myself or just with me and Ryan or, um, yeah. So, and, and I know some people go even further. I had a professor in seminary who said, uh, it's not communion unless the whole bot- the whole church takes it at one time, meaning if you have multiple services, then that doesn't count. And it was just really extreme. Yeah. I don't know if I would go there uh, because I think mm-hmm. that's a little bit too dogmatic personally. But I do think there is something there to the community aspect, to the waiting, um, to the aspect of time and what ta- how time plays into the specifics of sacraments such as baptism and communion and how that's different from going on a walk and listening to the birds sing or seeing the trees and the, the beauty of that, the Lord's made. I think there's a special moment we can have with the Lord then, but I think I I have to think um, biblically that there's got to be a difference between that and, and institutions such as um, the Lord's supper and, uh, and, yeah. baptism.
1: and maybe that's a difference in how we use the word sacramental. I really like the, the way you said it, like if everything's, Sacramental, then nothing is because I'm like having flashbacks to The Incredibles. Do you remember (laughs) Syndrome? And when everyone's super, nobody will be. So yeah, but (laughs) the ultimate um,
2: villainous plan. Yeah,
1: I'm going to picture you a syndrome for the rest of the week now. Um, um, that's one of my favourite movies all time. Awesome, quite good. But um, I think there's still. A difference. So, if I wanted to say God could present himself to me sacramentally in anything, I would probably be surprised if God sacramentally presented himself to me in walking under a tree. In fact, lots of Christians who've had experiences would call that a mystical experience, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Which, and, and maybe mystical experiences should be added to our list of sacraments but the difference is that when i take the bread and the cup i am not going to be surprised that god presents himself to me because he's told me ahead of time to expect it mm. and so baptism the preaching of the word uh, the bread and the cup l- there are some things where my expectation is different and and so maybe this is like it's to do with the definition of the word sacrament yeah is what makes something a sacrament to do with our expectation If you say yes, then yep, there's going to be a shorter list of things that are going to to count. Whereas if what makes something sacramental is the kind of divine human interaction that you get, then the list could be longer. And so I I wonder how much of this is a, and actually talk, I mean, we could, you know, people could argue about what the word sacrament really means, but actually both questions are good questions. And understanding or answer to both questions matters, you know. Right. Regardless yeah. of whether we use the word sacrament, I'm mm-hmm. I'm not really so fussed about that. Mm-hmm. But getting the concept straight in our head—that's that's more interesting to me.
2: Yeah, yeah, and so and and there is um, th- there's a lot of conversation um, just o- on that whole thing. So I mean, there's because um, that that's a co- common thought on the like the if everything's a sacrament, then nothing is. Um, and I've wrestled with that. A good long while, I, I would say, if everything is a sacrament, then nothing is. But I, but I think that's different than saying if everything is sacramental, or yeah, can be seen as sacramental, then then nothing can be. I don't think that's the case. I, yeah. I think I think there's a very real way in which. Um, so for for the early church, they lived in. Um, I'll try. I'll try to be careful in my nerd outness. This is a large part of what I've been steeped in for the last uh, year yes. and a half, two years. So I'm like, yeah. how far down the rabbit hole do I go and never get pulled out? So um, This is Ryan
1: who needs to submit his thesis today.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, my thesis <laughs> this is at, the
1: end of this road
2: for you. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, how, where, I don't want to read my thesis to you. You'll tune out very quickly. Um, so, But the early church uh, saw all of the world, all of tangible existence as um, sacramental or participating in Christ's presence because God is the creator of it all. So there's a a very real sense in which all things created are connected to God. And therefore, we can, through all things, as created things, connect to God through other created things. So through human interaction, uh, through interaction with nature, we can have a very real experience with God. Um, and so then that, but but that's being sacramental or having a sacramental um, existence or sacramental world versus something being a sacrament, which is an event that is unique, um, that that offers a unique experience uh, and and participation with the presence of Christ, mm. and um, is sh- should be seen as somewhat necessary. Not necessarily. There's a nuanced version of necessity there where it's not necessity yeah. for salvation uh where if you'll ne- where, where if you're n- never able to participate in the you know this one of these sacraments then that doesn't that's not the nail in the coffin for you so to speak but mm-hmm. but it's necessary in a different kind of way if, yeah. if you have availability to it you should participate yeah.
3: um, and real fast on that we would never ever say though ryan and i both hold to like um, wine or grape juice and like in and a bread or some sort of cracker. Um, we would never say God looks down upon you if you don't do that. Like if after all this you decide, you know what? I I kind of think you know it doesn't matter as much. We don't think there's any condemnation in that or any judgment. Sure. Um, we just take it a, a take a different view. But there's not. It's not like um, God is like mad or something. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. where the
2: Facebook conversation yeah
1: went awry. And that's a classic thing. Like God's God, uh, His desire for us theologically is that we achieve the best, clearest view of ourselves, God, and the world as we can.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When we get it wrong, God's character is not that He turns His back and says, "Oh, stuff you then. I'm not going to be your friend till next Wednesday."
2: <laughs> right. yeah. You
1: know, so <laughs> thank, yeah. God. thank God. God, yeah. God is gracious. Very, very cool. Yeah, yeah. It it's um. It's interesting, like Amber coming back a little bit of what you said that Ryan was making me think of. There was, you know, uh, you know why why Jesus chose bread and wine, and I think given the Jewish context, and also, I mean, there's man the heritage man. Do a biblical theology of bread throughout Scripture and its symbolism and, and you know what it can communicate in the different stories that it's involved in is is huge. Uh, and then wine, I mean, just quite simply, you take a glass of wine and a glass of blood, and if you're a little bit colorblind, they're kind of similar. So, you know, mm-hmm. the fittingness of wine is kind yes. of obvious <laughs> as well. And it's got this heritage in scripture. But it's interesting that this methodological difference comes in, because I can see your train of thought, Amber, being like, here's why Jesus chose bread and wine. And Jesus chose that. And this is grossly oversimplifying. but that gives us some reason to make the same choice. Whereas my approach is like, oh yeah, I appreciate why Jesus did that. And Jesus did that because he wanted with his disciples to sit down and have a meal where one of the things they used in the meal could be an emblem of something else. And if it could fulfill that function, it was the right choice. And then I think, okay, so what if I lived in a culture uh, where, for some rare genetic reason, everyone in my town was like allergic to grapes you know and so mm. grapes actually are an emblem not of life but of death so so there's some cultural reason that that juice or wine is never going to be able to be an effective emblem it just it's it's too confused in its ability to communicate but water for us in our town, like we love water. And maybe, you know, if Jesus, even being Jewish, even wanting to connect us to the old Testament had decided to pop forward a few thousand years and have the Passover, you know, meal that last supper with us in our town, he would have been like, Hey, I'm going to pass around a cup of water. And so then I'm like, you know, if it's the function that matters, I can kind of see how Jesus would make it. Different choice, you know, in these different circumstances. And so the thought experiment kind of opens up the space in my mind to think, okay, so it, that doesn't just mean do what you want with the elements, but it does create space then for me to think, okay, so if I was to have OJ instead of wine, what's going on? If in my heart and mind and soul and community, OJ is not really able to be an emblem of Christ's blood and life to me then I should probably look for some wine or wait mm. or or maybe there's something else maybe grape juice or maybe like ah eh, not grape juice i can't find any oh apple juice though that's going to work for me you know if it's going to fulfill the function i can do that but the litmus test for me is going to be can it fulfill the function but you know, I might, I might just be choosing OJ because I'm like, ah, uh, you know, or, or like Coke because that was my original Coke mm-hmm. and Pringles. Because I'm like, you know, the little crackers we have at church taste disgusting. I don't like them. So like, I would, I would much rather have a Pringle, you know. And, and it should be a barbecue flavor because that's the best flavor as well. You know. <laughs> so then, you know, so if I'm making my choices and it's nothing to do with is this fulfilling the function, then yeah, I'm probably not actually making a choice about the elements. Yeah. for good reason, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. what what do you think because I see you smiling away Amber?
3: Yeah, um I <laughs> I know Ryan Ryan has some thoughts too, but I think I I love I love uh thought experiments like that um for two reasons. That seem contradictory. One, they really do get you to think about, oh, well what what would I do in this situation. But then I also like them because I think they're kind of funny because it's like, well, yeah, but we're we're not in that. So I don't think that applies to me um because I I don't have a problem with it uh with with you know grape juice in the example. Um and I do think that if I were to meet somebody or go to a culture where that was offensive or not or or like detrimental to someone's health then yeah, then I would have to reevaluate. But I don't know if because I don't know if the exception makes the rule rule in quotes not, you know, hard 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 and fast, but I don't know. I I I think that for uh, you know first world um, Americans uh, or Western Western Christians who have access to these things who don't have an allergy or um, offense to oh, to grapes. Uh, <laughs> Your grape <laughs> I, offends me. <laughs> yeah, I. This uh, I, reminds me. We actually had a Bible college professor who talked about how grapes were his his downfall. That was his example of sin, um, which was really funny. Uh, but anyway. Um, I, I don't know, I I have a hard time wanting to, to use that exception, the possibility of that even being there as my, as my litmus test for whether or not it's right, wrong altogether. I mean, an example of that is, um, someone who, to my professor who said that communion has to be taken with the entire body. And if you're not there presently, then you can't take it. Um, the question I raised in Mm. that class was what about someone who's in the hospital, uh, who, who physically can't get there? or someone who's in, um, a facility where they, they, that's just where they have to be in order to live. I don't think that you, it would be right to tell them that, oh, sorry, you can't be here. Uh, you can't be here. So you can't take it ever. Um, whereas instead of just saying, oh, they can take it whenever they want, I would, my answer to that would be, oh, why don't we come together, um, and get, you know, a handful of people to come take communion with you. Um, sort of a thing. So I think that there's and there's maybe maybe there's got to be a middle ground in between letting everyone just pick what what means something to them um and and sticking with with bread and wine. But I want I want yeah. Ryan to share some of his thoughts.
1: And that that's interesting, like that example of the sick as well cuz ever since the very earliest church fathers, I think it was Athanagoras in the 2nd century who wrote some directions and he actually explicitly said you know, if there are people who are sick, who can't, who can't gather, then what you need to do is get the communion elements. And uh, after you've done it with the rest of the church together, go take them to take the meal and celebrate it with those other people. And so that's an interesting example of like, these kind of practical questions, the virus is making us think about it. But actually, it's not it's actually practical things that have provoked this question throughout history, like during the bubonic plague. That was a era when people had to you know, think differently about this. Yeah. And so you guys are hilarious, by the way. You guys like we're we're on Zoom. So I can see that they've both like carried all the stuff into a different room because someone's like mowing a lawn or something
2: yeah apparently that was, that
1: was quite yeah that was quite the video the
2: <laughs> And now we're in a room in which I think the uh, the acoustics here are, are yes probably changing the audio drastically so sorry listeners um, <laughs> uh, but th- these sorts of uh, thought experiments are, are why I say that um, fr- from a theological standpoint, I do think like okay, yeah, I can see where there's some uh, conceptual space uh, to think through these questions differently. Um, and I too kind of like these thought experiments, maybe for the same reasons Amber does kind of like, okay, yeah, it does get you to think differently. It gets you to think pastorally, it gets you to think missiologically um, about these things um, because they are just, you know, you know, these other cu- cultures, these kind of like uh, cultures that we've never been to uh, and things like that. We, we know nothing about and uh, uh, they're doing the black now. Um, so uh <laughs> This is fantastic. Um,
1: this is
3: the best podcast, if only because we're moving around so much to avoid the noises outside. The of our mobile
2: government. podcast. <laughs> um, so, so I, I think these are good, but I, I think this is why the question of like, so what is the importance and uh, to what degree uh, it, are these uh, important? Because I would say in these sort of um, thought experiments. Um, for instance, in the, uh, whenever my class uh, got asked this question kind of um, about like, well, what if, um, you know, there was someone in the hospital and they really wanted to get baptized? Mm-hmm. Um, they just came to the Lord. It was kind of a deathbed uh, kind of salvation sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to get baptized because they know the meaning of it. And they've been taught or they've heard so much about how baptism and salvation are not, not necessarily interconnected to the point that salvation comes through baptism but but we should be baptized after our salvation yeah um, and and since we're supposed to do baptism in the church, you, you know then what? Uh, and so the the professor there in that instance said, well I think we just have to rethink about to what degree is there a necessity of these uh, things or the Lord's Supper and like you know again, I, I think these are, I think we have to think about the fact that these uh, kind of rites of the church, not just point, they don't just point back to past events that we're trying to participate in or, or find meaning in, but they are, are actually pointing forward to a greater event uh, that will take place. That is the, the kind of the true baptism or the, the true um, communion meal or Eucharist. And so, if, uh, so there's a degree to which it's okay. If in those instances, you actually never end up getting I, in, in my uh view, that if you, you never take the Eucharist or maybe you never get baptized, um, if, if in one of those qu- sorts of uh, particular situations, because um, there will be a day in which you rise again bodily, which is what baptism also looks <clears throat> forward to. You know, we look at Romans 6 and Paul is connecting baptism um, to Christ's bodily resurrection, um, which is a, a proving to us in a sense, and uh, that, that we will also be bodily raised one day. And then the Lord's Supper is not just pointing back to the meal that Jesus ate with his disciples, but the future meal that Jesus will finally eat with all of his people all at once in uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb, in which the Lamb, Jesus, is, is uh, finally wed to his bride, the church, and, and we're feasting in celebration on these things. And so you may never get to take that meal here. You just get to finally partake in baptism in the sense of the true bodily resurrection that it was pointing towards, or you get to finally have that meal. So,
1: Which is another interesting aspect of these things. I think we see it with baptism more clearly, but maybe uh, with mystical experiences in general and with communion. I think for lots of people, when they get baptized, the actual meaning and significance and effect of it takes a long time to work its way out but that doesn't mean that you need to get Mm re-baptized oh i didn't really like oh it's acting out jesus's death which therefore means i die and i'm acting out jesus's resurrection which means i have new life that will be consummated in my resurrection and like i only got two out of the five you know, so I need to be rebaptized. It's like, no, you have performed the action and interacted with God. And now the fallout of that interaction can continue to affect you. And so there is this interesting way that uh, these sacramental interactions with God are special, but it's not like when we, you know, the communion elements are put away or, you know, Baptism's done now, or whatever it is that all of a sudden the door is closed to the the influence upon us that the sacrament is supposed to have so that's another interesting aspect to this is once you admit that that's a possibility you know you can start to think even about okay well OJ is not as meaningful of an emblem to me of the Eucharist but I may have extreme value in practicing the Eucharist with OJ now because it helps me connect with the fact that four weeks ago I did take the Eucharist with my church body, with the bread and the juice at another time. And that, and actually that's a part of especially the Eucharist is when we do it, it doesn't just remind us of Jesus dying and rising and us finally rising It reminds us of every time in the past that I and the church have taken it and every time following. And so when you put it in a timeline like that, it kind of uh, complicates the conversation to a whole nother level. You know, I'd probably argue that, uh, you know, I can see the space where someone would say, yeah, so then the OJ thing is not actually communion, it's like communion esque. Yeah, it's the you know, it's like a, it's the, not celebrating the Eucharist, it's celebrating the fact that you celebrated the Eucharist or something. And a, I'm fine with that, but it's it's another an interesting layer
2: with the sacrament which yeah. participates with the
1: yeah. Yeah.
3: It's like a secondary source. It's not the yeah. primary source, it's a secondary source. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's interesting to me the way that this where this might bottom out is some of our kind of what we feel like is a priority. Yeah, so, if you feel like being true to doing it the best you can in the most like Jesus honoring way you can and Bible honoring way you can, which for sure, like Amber's right, first world Americans, like we've got loads of opportunity. Like we're not, you know, most of us are allergic to grapes. And, you know, when it comes to baptism, we're not a desert nomad who's got no water or, you know, any of that yeah. stuff. So, so we got opportunity and we can wait. Um, then waiting might might come into the foreground i think my wiring is like i understand that honoring those things is important but also having that interaction with god is really important and for me maybe that trumps those other concerns where i'm like it's so important to have the interaction that doing it with pringles and coke could be could be worthwhile and not not in a like it just trumps it no matter what it's got to be a like i've got to, as i come to this like balance out like what's my best opportunity like when did i last take this what's my i think our need to interact with god in a eucharistic way might be different on different occasions in different seasons of our our life as well so i've got to weigh so much stuff it's just it's it would be hard to make a sort of black and white it always has to be this way kind of thing i think
2: yeah yeah. And I, I mean, I, I do, I, yeah, I think that's, um, I think mm. that's fair. Partially because I think one of the reasons too, that for me, I think that I, I don't think I conceptually, I have a hard time getting to that place where I think like, oh, I i need, I need to participate in these things because it's been so long or like where my headspace would be at is because personally I'm coming to a space where I think there's um, more sacraments than, These two that we've and and other church traditions, namely the church traditions that probably would put such a heavy emphasis on the particular elements, uh, typically, um, they have other sacramental rites of the church by which they can participate in the same in the same ways. Not in they don't participate in the same events or point to the same kind of biblical uh, pieces of uh, God's redemptive history that that we see within the story of the Bible but they still participate with Christ. And so for the Catholic church, for instance, they have confession um, and, mm-hmm. and, and penance and things. They have uh, almsgiving, like doing justice, giving to the poor. Um, and those are very real ways for them. They are sacraments just as much as uh, baptism or the Eucharist. Yeah. Um, and so for them, you know, for that tradition, you're not coming to a place where you need to participate in those two. And so not having the elements means you have to kind of Come up with something new, and I, I, I lend. I, I tend towards viewing that there are other sacraments as well. I haven't put enough thought into say for sure. Like yes, I think we need to take back, uh, you know, confession or, or these things.
3: Um, We're but, getting a really murky. But
2: <laughs> but I do think if you have those, yeah,
3: other sacraments. Yeah, for what, real.
2: Brian? I'll try not to uh, uh, another conversation for another time. But if you have those other. Uh, places to go you have those other sacramental rites then um your framework is going to be different too on how important it is to, to yeah. participate in those other two
1: yeah and about. again i think so much of this um we can get hung up over the fact that we're using the word sacrament yeah right which makes us feel like well i mean i i'm evangelical i don't want to like i don't want people to think i'm catholic you know like mm-hmm. what then what would happen and you know, depending on your story, that may matter to you or may not. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, like, like I think a one example is anointing the sick. Mm. So in the Catholic Church, that's a sacrament. It's a special way that God has instituted interacting with people. Now we anoint the sick at Westside and pray for them. Have the elders pray, a la James Five. So we're responding to the same scripture and expecting God to show up in a special way. And it's a way that we can act out our trust in God in a special way and, you know, all of these things. Um, and I think we're we're happy with that. <laughs> you know, the only part we might not be happy with is someone coming along and saying, oh, yeah, that's what we call a sacrament. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we'd be like, whoa, let's back up a second. What do you mean? Like, you know, Um yeah. So sometimes it's just the word, you know, if if we're like, oh, there's a God instituted way that God might interact more deeply or uh, at crossroads moments with us or, you know, something like that, then, yeah, we might be happier having a longer list of those things. Uh, And then it won't surprise you to find that, you know, Mr. Everything Can Be Sacramental over here starts to see the traditional (laughs) list of seven blossom into all sorts of things, you know, that could potentially be considered as like divinely instituted places where actually we can come with a special sense of expectation. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting one, but if we, if we carry on down that road, we will talk for another hour. So we should probably pull up (laughs) and stop there. So, yeah, I I don't know what our practical, uh, like, take home advice because i'm just imagining someone listening to this being like i never thought about this before on what sunday do do? <laughs> molly's gonna like jump in and do communion and be like so go grab whatever she says you have to pick our words mm-hmm. carefully now <laughs> yep, <yeah. laughs> or dom will say
2: something and then being like
1: what do i do i don't have any juice you know yeah uh, so that's I, an interesting i'm, I'm,
2: I'm thinking interesting of the world. episode of the office where uh uh, Steve Carell's character, uh, Michael Scott, is leaving and there's a new boss coming in and they're they're fighting with Erin, the receptionist, on how she should start answering the phone. <laughs> and the new boss, played by Will Ferrell, wants her to not say her name. And Michael Scott likes it that she used to say her name. And so then the phone rings and she has both bosses staring at her and she just doesn't pick up the phone. And then she finally picks it up and she goes, I- I- I'm so sorry, and just hangs up on them because <laughs> she doesn't know how to answer the phone anymore. I can just imagine yeah. people doing communion being like. And ah, that's
3: ah, definitely ah. not what we want. Yeah, we I feel don't want like that, that yeah. is definitely the outcome that we're not hoping for. But I think for <laughs> me, the 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 takeaway of like, okay, what do I do with all of this now that I are all these thoughts swirling around that I'd never thought of before? Um, I think just thinking about them is a great start. Yeah. I think this yep. is amazing to, to start yes. asking these questions. And next time you read the Bible, when you're reading through the gospels, And you get to this passage, you're like, "Oh, wait! Now I know a little bit more background." And now you start thinking about it, and then letting your convictions become what they are based off of thinking about these things um, is huge. That's a huge thing to be able to do. I know thinking is like so not the the um, the American way of like of success of like doing things is you don't think about things and think that that's action. But in this case, it is when thinking about really theological um, issues and and issues that really are important to the church. Um, that's a huge step. So I think that for me, that would be a huge win if, um, those of you who are listening, start thinking about this. And and then on Sunday, when you take communion, you think about it, or if you don't take communion, you think about it and (laughs) just something that you're, yeah, mulling over. And,
1: And whatever we do this week, we are in a season when we are having to be creative and problem solve how to do things abnormally. Mm -hmm. So the normal ideals guide us, but we need to interact with them slightly differently. And so I I think um, the purpose of this conversation is not to either make you fully jump in and be like, yes, I'm doing communion at home, or I shouldn't do this. But it's more of a continue to problem solve how to do it the best you can. But hopefully thinking a bit more deeply about the issues will enrich your interaction with the next opportunity, whatever it looks like, to appreciate a bit more how God is interacting with you, reaching you, how the opportunity you've got before you, basically.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: So there we go. So have a great weekend, guys, and enjoy communion or not, or something <laughs> in between, as the case may be.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning Podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of Kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in Biblical Studies, with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship, for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to AJCCollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at AJCCollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from along with your question and we'd love to include it in a future episode.